0: I and many others have talked about the broad impact of the pandemic. Obviously the health impact has been huge, but the economic impact has been in some ways even greater across the entire country. Jobs have been lost, there are bills to pay, there are mortgages that are in question, there are houses that are in question. None of this was your fault, but there you are. You're struggling to pay your bills, you're trying to make ends meet, so now what do you do? Well, today we're gonna talk about how you can raise cash decrease your debt, protect your retirement so that in the future you'll be able to retire. You'll have money wet ready for you when the economy turns back around, as it will come back around. So we're going to talk about that today with Greg McBride from bankrate.com. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget, please rate and review us and share these, right? If you're not in trouble, you know somebody who is. This is vital information. Thanks so much. Hi, Facebook. Welcome to Bottom Line Advocator Facebook Live. I'm Sarah Heiner, I'm president of Bottom Line, and I appreciate you being here today. Um, we're having a good time. These well, it's, it's hard topics that we're dealing with, but actually I'm really pleased with how many people are giving us feedback and really getting value out of these to help them survive this and work through the challenges both on health And today, we're taking a total 180 with the topics we've been doing. We're going to talk about money today. And I'll tell you exactly who that that nice man is that's sitting smiling smiling nicely next to me, Um, Greg McRide from bankrate.com. But anyway, so let me just give you a little bit of of housekeeping as always. So um, we are doing these Approximately each week, we're developing a great library of these. They're available on our Facebook page and they're available in our YouTube channel. If you want to go to BottomLineInc.com, our BottomLineInc's YouTube channel, and subscribe there. Tell your friends about these. Tell them to come like us. We are doing this, as I said, regularly, and we're getting great feedback. Great experts are joining me. Um, Don't forget, if you have questions, type them on in in the chat room and they'll be sent along to me. So if you have questions for me, for Greg... Um, as we're talking, then send them all along, and we will do the best that we can to be able to answer as many of we as we can as we're as we're talking. Um, and one exciting thing I want to tell you about, if you look on the Facebook page, and we'll have information on this, we're actually doing a program, a six-week program. I've got two great doctors, Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum and Dr. William Lee, that are going to join me on a six-week program about strengthening your immune system. It's called the Immunity Lifeline Program. And I've talked a lot about the challenges of Dealing with COVID and whether or not there are treatments that are out there or whether or not a vaccine is going to come around the corner, which it really isn't. But what you can guarantee, what you can rely on is your own strength and your own body to know what to do and to help defend yourself if you know how to get it operating properly. Masks are helpful. helpful. Washing hands are critical. But there's so many other simple things that you can do to reduce your chances of getting sick. So keep your eye out for that. Come join us. It starts next week, Immunity Lifeline. It's a six-week program. All right, let me, let's talk about money, all right, because that has been a really, really tough thing for everybody. Um, all right, let me introduce Mr. Greg McBride. He's the Senior Vice President, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankright.com. He's the author of Bank I'm sorry I'm reading all this because there's so many things that he does that are so amazing. He's the author of Bankrate's money makeover series that helps consumers plan for retirement, manage debt, and develop financial strategies. Um, you've probably seen him because he's constantly on TV. On You Name the News program, he's been on it or he's been been quoted in the major, every newspaper that there is, um, but we got him. And in fact, he contributes regularly to Bottom Line Personal, so we're really fortunate to have him as part of our expert tribe. Um, you can follow um, him on Twitter, at Bankrate, at, let's try that again, at Bankrate Greg. Um, and you can uh, check out their website, bankrate.com. It's an awesome website and has great information for you. So thank you, Greg. I really appreciate it.
1: Great to be with you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh,
0: my pleasure. So, you know, again, we've been focusing on the the health issues, but money, and we've run, run a number of articles in Bottom Line Personal about money challenges and this cash crunch and financial challenge and the financial devastation of so many people. Um, I saw today, you know, yet another restaurant w- that's gone under, you know, small, bis- small business people like crazy that are losing their businesses. They're not able to reopen um, and it's just disastrous. So let's see if we can help people with their challenges. Um, why don't we start out, just give me high level. What What's your view, Where what's the state of the economy? The market was 30% down. Now it's only 10% from its top high. S&P was at an all time high, I think a day or two ago. I don't know where it is today, I haven't looked. Um, so give me the high level. What is, what's, what's the Greg McBride view of the world right now ec- economically?
1: Well, from an economic standpoint, I mean, what we had was essentially a sudden stop. I mean, traditionally, whenever we have a recession, it's a slow descent into a, a recession. Um, if you think back to the last two recessions, uh, you know, people often point to like a seminal event, like uh, the failure of Lehman Brothers in September of, of 2008 or, or 9-11. But the fact is in both of those cases, the economy had been in recession already for about nine months at the time that that happened. So, uh, whereas in this case, we went uh, you know, from an environment where the economy was entering a, the 11th year of its expansion, longest we'd ever seen. Unemployment was at a 50 year low. And then all of a sudden, turn out the lights, everybody go home and stay there. And you know, we you know, basically shut down the economy to the point where we went from the lowest unemployment in 50 years to the highest in 90 years and we did the bulk of that in eight weeks. Um, you know, I think more than anything that really synopsizes just how dramatic of a stop we had economically, uh, the impact that that's had on, on businesses, on, on consumers and their pocketbooks, and the fact that it's going to take a, a long time to dig out of this. I mean, we're going to have elevated unemployment for a couple of years. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned the stock market. I mean, that's kind of a dumbest disconnect people point to, but the market is forward-looking. Um, we can go more into that, but I mean, you know, the, the market isn't necessarily discounting what we're seeing in the economy today. Well, should people, people feel better?
0: Should, should people feel a little bit better that the, you know, is, is the stock market being up, even though many people may not even be invested in the stock market, but does it give them some hope that those those looking at the crystal balls see that we will come out of this?
1: In, yeah, in a
0: large respect,
1: yes. Uh, you know, a couple of things. I mentioned how the market is forward looking. And you know we've had a, a more than 40% rebound from the March lows uh, in the S&P 500. Market was down 34% in a little over a month from mid-February to, to mid-March. Uh, and then a, a more than 40% rebound. Uh, still not quite back to the record highs because the way the math works is if you have a 33% decline, you need a 50% rebound to get back to break even. So we're not quite there yet. But it's just proof of the fact that you've got to be in it to win it, that you can't try to time the market, that you've got to be in it for the long haul and not try to outcast the market, because markets do rebound suddenly. So just as the market was falling in early March at a time when yeah, we were all still getting in our cars and driving to work every morning, and uh, you, you know, the market was down very sharply long before the CDC declared it a pandemic, long mm-hmm. before they shut down the economy and told everybody to go home and stay there. We're also seeing the stock market rebound even before we started to open things back up, even before people start to go back to work. So market does look forward. Now, there is, I think, just given the economic realities, there's a a fair bit of concern that maybe the market's gotten ahead of itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think what to take from that is just that volatility is going to be the norm, uh, particularly in times of uncertainty. Don't try to guess where the market is going and, you know, hop in, hop out. That just doesn't work. But buckle the seatbelt and maybe grip that armrest a little bit tighter because it's going to be a bumpy ride in the market just as we sort out the economic realities. Because like I said, it's, you know, it's not like we're flipping the switch back on and everything goes back to the way it was in February. No,
0: and it's clearly not. And, you know, certain, certain places are opening up and certain people have been able to operate through the business. Some businesses obviously have done great. You know, the toilet paper business has been amazing. Lysol's having a field day. Um, but obviously, entertainment, sports, restaurants, a lot of those business, it's going to be a very long time. Not only because whether the businesses are opening up, but we have so scared people to be afraid to go back out into the world, um, which is another topic another day. I've talked about those on other podcasts. Um, let's talk. So let's jump into the nitty gritty in terms of helping people who really have now lost lost their earnings. A lot of people, you know, got some PPP help. There are companies that have gotten it. So they've gotten some assistance, but a lot of people also have really suffered. So let's talk about ways that people can, I'll call it, manage, find cash, right? They're totally cash strapped. They've got mortgages to pay. They've got rent to pay. So let's talk about, we've got about seven or eight different ideas, actually, of ways people can find some money for the world. Um, the first one you and I talked about was, I'll call it, you said emergency savings and other taxable investments yeah
1: this is really your starting point. I mean, and that might sound really obvious. I mean, if you have emergency savings, this is the emergency. this is what it's there. this is what it's there for. And the reason I think we should point that out is it's incredibly common where I run into people where uh, they're afraid they have the emergency savings that they're afraid to touch it. and so they're they're racking up debt uh, or they're they're carrying credit card balances mm-hmm. because they don't want to touch the emergency savings. This is the emergency. This is the time to to use that. If you have other taxable investments, um, you know, you may want to look at at, uh, liquidating those in the event that you need cash. If if you're at a loss on some of these, uh, that can benefit you at tax time, either offsetting other gains that you have or uh, offsetting up to $3,000 of of income. That's really your starting point. Um, You know, beyond that, a lot of these other options we're going to talk about there's no free lunch. I mean, so with every other option, there's going to be a drawbacks, and that's why you want to start with the money that you have truly available, uh, so, you know, set aside for emergencies.
0: So, do you want to take that down to zero, or should you still leave yourself a, a teeny bit of a cushion? If you know, leave a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars in there.
1: You know, I think a lot of that depends on what is your saving habit, because successful saving is all about the habit. If you have a regular direct deposit from your paycheck and you're still working, that's a lot different from. You're you're out of work. You've you know you have very little in the way of savings, and and there's not really a pathway to replenish that. Right. Uh, you know I think you know in this environment, you know maybe you leave a, a a little bit just so you have flexibility to, for say for example, put some food on the table if if you max out your credit lines down the road. Uh, but bottom line is, if you have that emergency savings, and most people don't have enough, you're going to burn through most or all of that, uh, right. you know, in, in fairly short order.
0: Um. Yeah, well, that's true. Okay, so so now so they've done that, but meanwhile they've got some very big expenses that they can hopefully adjust, negotiate. So let's talk about things like. Um, wait, I jumped. I jumped topics. Never mind. Talk about next thing we're going to talk about was reducing contributions on retirement savings and things like that. So again, we're trying to figure out ways that people can increase their cash flow and and reduce their their regular outflow of money that they've been committed to.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, there's two sides of the equation here, right? There's the money that's, that, that's coming in and there's the money mm-hmm. that's going out. So right now we're talking about the steps you can take to kind of replace money that isn't coming in. Dialing back retirement contributions. If, for example, you've had your hours cut where you have a significant other who's lost the job and so money's tight, dialing back retirement contributions is an option. Again, no free lunch there. Uh, if you are not at least contributing enough to maximize the employer match, you're leaving free money on the table. And of course, you know the money that you're putting aside today or not putting aside, uh, you you have the potential of missing out on decades worth of compounding. So, it's not necessarily a decision to be taken lightly, but it's definitely uh, you know one of the one of the first that you're going to turn to because it has less da- downsides than some of the other options. So if
0: I dial down my four hundred one k, if I've been putting, I'll call it two hundred dollars in my four hundred one k. Now again, let's say you're only putting it in if you're still employed, right? If I'm not employed, if I'm furloughed, that's not happening, but maybe I'm still working, but my spouse is furloughed. So we still are in a cash crunch and we, you know, we've we got um, to, to raise some money. Um, two things, one is, I think that I read that you can, if I take it out and if I reduce it now, I can add back, can I catch up later?
1: You know, you are governed by annual contribution. Right. Limits. So I mean, it's a great temporary measure in the event that you need some money now. And you know, if you get back to working full time hours or something later in the year, and you're you have the cash flow where you can ramp up those contributions. Yes, you can do that. Um, you know, again, there's limited downsides to this relative to some of the other things, there's not necessarily a penalty to this, other than the long term impact of that nest egg is not going to be what it, had, what it could have been if you'd been contributing all along. But listen, when income goes away, you got to do what you got to do. You
0: have no choice. And again, that's something that it's, it's future money that presumably you've got some time to be able to make up. Um, any chance that companies are allowed to change their rules on matching through this?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, companies are going through the same cash crunch as, as right. households are. So yes, we do see a lot of companies that are either scaling back or eliminating their matches, um, you know, just it, again, out of that same cash preservation methodology.
0: Right. So we don't, we don't, you you don't want to cut that out if your company's still matching because now you're getting rid of free money. But if your company's going to pull back on their matching, it's certainly a place to think about being able to pull back on. Um, All right. How about being able to get cash out of their houses? A lot of people have been in their homes and they've got a lot of equity. What's the smartest way to be able to do that?
1: Well, interest rates are at record lows right now. So, uh, you know, you can kind of do the twofer of refinancing your mortgage Uh, that might shave a hundred, 200 bucks a month off of your payments. If you have a lot of home equity, you might be able to take out some cash to what's known as a cash out refinancing. Um, again, you're going to pay a slightly higher rate for that. A lot of lenders aren't even doing those right now uh, simply because of all these concerns about people being out of work. But you know, there are options where it, it's still available. That's going to be your lowest cost way to get money out of the home. Um, you know, The other things are like take out a home equity line of credit, um, which has the benefit of you only have to tap it if you need it, so it's it's you have it there at the ready in case. Uh, interest rates there still fairly low, not as low as you're going to find on that uh, cash out mortgage refinancing though.
0: Um, gotcha. Is what if, so? This is kind of a crazy thing. You and I were talking before that the rental markets, if you live outside the city, are crazy high, and the housing market suddenly is really hot. Um, if somebody's really an extreme case, could they? I'll literally sell their house and then go rent someplace. I mean, is that a legitimate thing to do?
1: Well, easier said than done. I mean, in times like this, uh, you you know, the 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 sales transaction process on real estate uh, is is not a quick one. um, Simply because you know a lot of people they don't want strangers traipsing through their house checking the place out. A lot of prospective buyers don't want to be traipsing through strangers' house checking the place out. Um, You you know, so that kind of slows things down. Even the closing process, you know, a lot of this is having to kind of come into the 21st century and be done, uh you know, with things like, you know, appraisals and and, right. and, and inspections being done more remotely rather than on site. And then the closings themselves being, you know, done through, uh you know, uh, you know, uh, you, know uh, you know, digital notarization, those kind of things, rather than, the you know, all sitting around the table passing paper back and forth.
0: I tell you, it's, there's a piece of it that's incredibly tempting. I was talking to someone, that works for me earlier. And she was saying like the rentals, cause we're in, we're in suburban New York, we're in Connecticut. So we're outside of New York and people are just flocking out. And if they can rent a house in the suburbs right now, they are just flocking like crazy to be able to go do that. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, if you know, if you haven't been to the office in Manhattan in four months and you don't think you're going to be going back for quite a while, why pay that Manhattan rent? So yeah, there's definitely uh, an, an exodus out of the city, into suburbs, in high cost markets, you know, like New York, San Francisco. So
0: you could rent your house. I could even rent my house and then move further out because it doesn't matter where I am. I mean, it's a lot of work, a lot of burden, and do you really want people traipsing through your house? But if you're if you're desperate. Um, how about um, Helox? Yeah, the home equity line of credit,
1: I like that as an option um, in the sense that it gives you a lot of flexibility on when you borrow and how you repay. Uh, with the home equity line of credit, you can kind of set that up as a reserve uh, and only tap what you need when you need it uh, again no free lunch here in that you know that money you pull out of your house it's now secured by your house This is not the kind of obligation you're going to be able to just walk away from the other thing is we've really seen lenders tighten up on home equity why you know in an environment where we've got the highest unemployment since the, uh, the great depression Lenders are not jumping up and down to be in a second lean position, right? There's just a lot of uncertainty. They're trying to mitigate risk. So we've seen lenders really raise credit score requirements, require borrowers to maintain more equity, more skin in the game. Uh, And and so the market is definitely tighter than it was. Credit's not as loose as it was prior to the pandemic.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. But they also, and again, that's not going to give you immediate cash. You really, that's more if you need to down the road, you wanted a backup for it. Um, Is it a good strategy for people long-term? So let's fast forward now and things kind of settle out and people get their lives in order. Is it a good idea strategy in general for people to have a HELOC just so that they have in case of emergency so that they might've had those funds available down the road?
1: You know, it's not something that you can, I think, really rely on. And it's certainly not a replacement for that emergency savings that we all need. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is when times get tough, like now, lenders, to mitigate their own risk, they can freeze that line of credit. Uh, they can cut that line of credit to limit their exposure, particularly if it's a market where prices may fall. Uh, we saw that during the, the financial crisis. So, you know, having that line of credit for $50,000, not the same as having $50,000 in the bank, far from it. So uh, I think it's a supplement to, but certainly not a replacement for that much needed emergency.
0: Space. You know, it's interesting. So there are some frightening statistics about how few people have money and savings at all and how much money they have. And you know, where I think we're we were looking at hopefully people will change some of their health habits as a result of this and realize that, you know, there are things that they do that put them at greater risk of illness. And hopefully, you know, again, learning to take responsibility and realize how much power they have and how much they can control their sickness, you know, the, the vulnerability, hopefully this also will help people to see, wow, I really do need that rainy day fund. And I do even if it's five dollars a week, as little as you can just to be in the habit of putting that money away because rainy days or sunny days, but, you know, metaphorically rainy days do come.
1: Yeah, I mean, from your lips to God's ears, but, you know, in truth, what we saw after the financial crisis, we saw a big attitude shift. People recognized the importance of emergency savings. They knew they were behind. They knew they needed to do it. And yet, over the ensuing 11-year economic expansion, we frankly did not see the needle move. Because so many people were hemmed in by high household expenses or stagnant income, so as much as people wanted to and knew that they needed to, they, a lot of them still were not able to do so.
0: So let me be snarky for a second, because I see a lot of people that see they 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 overspend themselves. I mean, this is such basic human behavior, and right, but there's somehow all you know all the kids have iPhones, very expensive clothes, very expensive shoes, like. There's, there's some choices that are being made that people might want to relook at as well, that could they have saved more money or are they going out to lunch every day? I, my kids are in their twenties and they both cook and they bring their lunch to work so that they could save money versus they see other people that are basically eating and wearing their paychecks at, you know, at, at entry level levels. Um, yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, I think in terms of those forward habits that where you can generate the money to do that saving, absolutely. But a lot of those things you can't undo now if you're in a pitch for cash.
0: No, but going forward, like you really think about how much do you want to, like we've been going out because I want to support the restaurants, but I'm also, we're cooking a lot um, that, you know, it's really a trade-off. Uh, let me re- remind everybody actually to, um, if they have questions for Greg, to type them on in, put them in on the Facebook chat um, and also keep your eyes out for the information on that Immunity Lifeline program, um, because that is going to help you to hopefully not not succumb in the future. All right, let's talk about, how about we talked a little bit about 401k. Now you can take a loan against your 401k. Um, and in fact, they've they brought in that um, allowance. It used to be $50,000, now I think it's $100,000.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the loan is certainly not as bad an option as actually taking money out of the plan outright. Right. With the loan, you do repay it to yourself. Um, you know, again, no free lunch, you're going to miss out uh, on the, the gains between now and over the next five years as you're repaying that. Uh, you lose some tax efficiency on the repayment. Again, I think all of that you know, relatively small potatoes if you need cash right now, right? So, you know, that is definitely an option, but it pays to understand the downsides, one of those downsides being if you lose your job. That loan becomes immediately due, and if you can't pay it, then it's treated as a distribution. So, you know, again, there's it's it's not a risk-free strategy, but it is definitely one that's available to people. And as you noted, the limit on how much you can uh, take out a loan against your 401k has been increased, we noted the 50,000 to 100,000, but I think for just as importantly is, it's 50% up to 100% of the balance. So even for people who have much smaller balances, they now have access uh, to more of that money in terms of being able to take out a loan.
0: And does it matter your age? Is it different um, below 59, below 62 and a half, below like retirement age, part in you know, retirement age, or I think 59 is a cutoff or something, or am I mixing up my pieces?
1: Well, not in terms of taking the loan. In terms of the distribution, uh, you know, if you take an outright distribution, or if you don't pay back the loan and it's treated as a distribution, then yes, being under age fifty nine and a half subjects you to a ten percent withdrawal penalty.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, I have a question from somebody. They lost their job and now they need health insurance. Um, I don't know if that's in your in your wheelhouse um, at all. But do you have any thoughts? on that. You you know,
1: this is one that is just not talked about enough considering the widespread unemployment, uh, you know, that's out there. And, you know, the fact is, you know, some of the options that are available, this is the time when you can lease the Fordham, right? I mean, one of them is, well, you lose your job, you can go on COBRA. Well, if you lost your job, the last thing you can do is start paying premiums that may be three or four times what you had been paying when you were working. And Uh, even the exchanges were very expensive. Same deal, yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, yes, those options are out there. Um, you can also check and see what sort of state programs uh, you might be eligible for, if there are assistance programs. Uh, but you know, this is an issue that's not talked about nearly enough, considering the widespread unemployment uh, and the fact that we're in the midst of a, of a health crisis. I think this is, you know, it, it, it's a big issue with not a whole lot of answers.
0: Yeah, although it's funny, I've I've seen um, an increase. You know, telemedicine was a big thing where you know, doctor. People are now being able to visit their doctors online, and I'm seeing services. Um, we've actually been involved with one where you can, you know, fix monthly fee just to talk to the doctor. So at least you can get an emergency look at something if you have symptoms or if you have have a question. It doesn't solve everything, but at least these are great options that I think are coming out. I think there are going to be some new services, new new areas that are being built as you know, that we're learning um, as a result of all this crisis. All right, let's go back to some other areas. Uh, Social Security. Um, Can I take Social Security earlier? You could.
1: I'm not a big fan of this, and here's why. Uh, You know, one of the the things is, well, if you're 62, you could take Social Security just to kind of, you know, tide you over, and then uh, you could pay it all back within 12 months, uh, and that way you're not permanently locked into a 25% pay cut on your Social Security benefit let's be realistic uh you know most people if they're if they're strapped right now because they're out of work or they've seen a significant income reduction they're not going to be in a position to pay back all of those accumulated benefits within a 12-month period in order uh to then be able to claim the higher benefit later so i don't like that strategy uh because you know anything less than that you lock yourself into a permanent 25 percent pay cut and social security is a lifetime annuity right uh if you're 62 or older an option I think worth looking at instead, look at a reverse mortgage. Um, you know, the thing about a reverse mortgage, if you're a homeowner and you have equity in your home, if you're eligible for a reverse mortgage, at the very least it's gonna knock out your monthly mortgage payment. Well, that creates a lot of breathing room in the budget there. And,
0: that's, and a reverse mortgage, just to clarify, that's when I'll call it, they, they buy your house from you basically. no it's the same way as a forward it's the same thing as taking out a
1: regular mortgage only it's reverse in the fact that uh you 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 get the money up front uh and then it gets paid back at the other end so it's you know there's a lot of misconceptions about it um but you know the fact is this is a product that's going to be a lifeline for lots and lots of people because they have the bulk of their wealth tied up in their home Um, and so in addition to being able to knock out your monthly mortgage payment uh, depending on how much equity you have, you may be able to get regular monthly payments or a line of credit that grows over time. Uh, you know, getting a reverse mortgage is not cheap. It's, it's more expensive than, say, refinancing your mortgage. But again, that's a lifeline for lots and lots of people. And if it keeps you from raiding the retirement account early and lets your assets continue to grow, I think in the long run, uh, you know, you, you, you find that it's, it's, you know, well worth uh, looking at. Yeah. you know, particularly if, if you're uh, eligible to do so.
0: Cause you gave me the lump, the lump of money up front.
1: Yeah. yeah and, I mean, there is a lump sum as an option, but even if you don't need the lump sum, even if it's just the ability to knock out your monthly mortgage payment, I mean, that could free up a thousand or $2,000 yeah. out of your monthly budget. So yeah, that, that in and of itself can be a life save. Absolutely. Okay. How
0: about borrowing from life
1: insurance? If you've got, you know, so, you know, depending on what type of life insurance policy you have, you have one of these, what are known as permanent life insurance policies, where you've been paying in for years and years, you may have accumulated a cash value that you can then borrow against. Um, So that that's an option. Uh, But again, in doing so, you are decreasing the death benefit. That was the whole reason you got the insurance policy in the first place. So, you know, just it's one of those where you got to kind of weigh out the pros and the cons. You know, is the risk of, say, leaving your heirs uh, shortchanged in the event that something happens, um, you know, is that worth the, the trade off in order to get cash uh, on hand now? But it is an option for people to have those policies. If you have a term policy, you don't have a cash value and it's not an option.
0: Well, and again, we're, you know, people are weighing the options of, I'll call it lose your house or, or, you know, keep your life insurance or lose your house or, you know, c- continue to maintain your retirement. I mean, they're really, these are, um, I'll call it life and death, financial life and death issues that they're really confronting. Um, what
1: yeah, absolutely. Is, like so, desperate times call for desperate measures. There's, there's, you know, like, ex- absolutely. So there's, there's no denying a lot of people are in the position where they've got to take some desperate measures. given the price.
0: Is there anything in particular, a lot of people, again, that are having so much trouble are small business owners. Um, is there anything in anything that we've been talking about that that helped them save their businesses or that they that the small businesses should know about um, be, you know different kinds of choices?
1: yeah, I mean, there's no denying that small business owners they're not only the the, the bulk of end uh, of employment growth mm-hmm. you know really the the you know ec, the engine of economic growth in our economy uh, but they've been uh, you know really hard hit not only on the business side but personally as well throughout this. Um, you know, there's been a lot of hiccups with things like the Paycheck Protection Program. There's still money available in that program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you haven't applied or didn't think you were eligible, that's worth a second look because there is still money available through that program that can just you know maybe get your business over the hump until the states reopen fully and you can you know get back to some semblance of normalcy.
0: Is there money that's available? There's a lot of of cost to these small business owners. Um, just to to follow all the cleaning requirements and and, uh, the screening requirements. I was reading something this morning about this extreme cost, but just, you know, a nail salon or a beauty salon or, you know, a store where they have to screen and scrub and everything else. Um, Is there any assistance or any tax credits or anything that people will be getting for any of that? Are you aware?
1: I'm not aware of, but, you know, again, you know, business, uh, you know, the business side of it is not not my focus, but I do think that you know, it kind of ties into one of the risks we have economically going forward. And one of the reasons why I said it's going to be a long road back is because you have a lot of businesses that now have this extra layer of costs mm-hmm. in an environment where demand is reduced and reduced for an extended period of time. So that in and of itself is going to threaten the viability of a lot of businesses, and that in, uh, could be a headwind to the economic recovery.
0: Yeah, which you know, I was going to mention earlier. I mean, early on, I think we all thought, oh, we're going to, they'll deal with this. We'll close for a little bit. It'll go away. We'll come right back. And they talked about, you know, V-shaped curve. But now it really looks like a bunch of these businesses are going, it's going to take a long, slow time to to build back, given given the um, demand, you know, that consumers may want, but they're not able to go to the restaurants, the, the limitation of how many people can go into an arena, talking about how long Broadway may be closed in New York and um, restaurants. So. Right. Let's talk about um, cutting bills because obviously, you know, we, so now we can raise cash through some of the things that we just talked about. But on the flip side, as we start talking, is cutting your expenses. Um, it sounds really obvious to go well, cut your expenses. Just don't spend as much. Don't you know? Don't, don't buy all those things that you all wanted to buy. Um, how about the like negotiating? So you have credit card bills. A lot of people have a lot of credit card debt. Um, how amenable are credit card companies to working with you on this stuff?
1: Yeah, this is, you know, after filing for unemployment and seeing what sort of programs you might be eligible for, whether it's Medicaid or food stamps, contacting your creditors really needs to be next because there is a a variety of of payment relief options that are available. I mean, you mentioned the credit cards. We'll start there. Uh, You know, credit card issuers have been very proactive about reaching out. Uh, to customers. When you call one of the issuers, their recorded line before somebody even picks up says, if you're having payment difficulty and you need a forbearance or you need a payment holiday, let us know. Uh, And that's because they are there to work out arrangements. But the kicker is you've got to raise your hand and ask for it. Uh, Don't run and hide from it. Instead, get out in front of it, contact your your issuer. Uh, A lot of them have programs that can just kind of tide you over for a short period of time. Let you skip a payment or two. Uh, you know, waiving an annual fee, for example, waiving interest for a couple of months, you know, just those little things that might get you over the hump until you get back to work and can get back on your feet making those regular payments.
0: Now, let's clarify one thing, though. Skipping a payment or two does not mean you don't owe the money. It means you don't have to pay it this month. You you get to kick that can down the road a little bit, and I guess perhaps not accrue. Sometimes, are they accruing interest on that or not necessarily?
1: Yeah. Payment relief is not debt forgiveness. Yes, yeah, so that's absolutely clear about that. And uh, as for the interest, um, you know, generally in a, in a forbearance type program uh, where they might uh, waive your ability, your, your requirement of making the monthly payment, the interest still accrues. But again, this is a point of, of negotiation. I, you know, I, I would absolutely, uh, you know, contact the card issuer, aim for an environment where they're basically just going to put you on pause for a while uh, and let you get back on your feet and then resume making the payments. Um, you know, do what you can to not only, uh, you know, get get some payment relief, but also you know, get out from under the idea of, of this interest continuing to accrue, uh, you know, while you're under forbearance.
0: And then again, see one of the things you can ask about is if they can reduce the interest rate, if nothing else, because some of those yeah, if you're still working, so right.
1: um, yeah, I mean, if you're still working, uh, you know, you're in a great position to be able to shop around and get one of those low rate balance transfer offers. There are fewer fewer of those out there now, but they are still out there. So I was gonna um, so ask
0: you about, actually we jumped. So so I was just talking about just ta- negotiating with your current credit card company to say, can you lower my interest rate? That that's one of the negotiating points, but yeah. So balance transfer, I was gonna ask you about that, where, you use, where they would incent you with a very low interest rate to transfer my balance.
1: Yeah, and the beauty of this is that it's kind of having the wind at your back in terms of debt repayment. So it can really help accelerate your debt repayment, uh, help you get out of debt sooner rather than later. Um, that's one where, you know, you still have to be working, your credit still has to be really good. Um, you know, that's probably not going to help the person who's, you know, out of work and who's in the cash crunch and who needs to call up the issuer and get payment relief. But for somebody else who's been really hammered away at their debt, here's an opportunity to accelerate that process by doing the balance
0: transfer. Oh, or again, I may be working and my spouse may have been furloughed. So that, you know, your paperwork still looks like you you've got your income coming in, but you're family income has now been been crunched um how about some of the um credit card companies allow you to get a personal loan from that bank instead of just a credit card and to transfer some of your balance to a personal loan what about that strategy
1: uh you know a lot of times this is with regard to say like a big ticket purchase right so you want to continue to use your card and you usually pay it off in full but you've got this you know furniture purchase or something that you can't pay in one fell swoop it basically segregates that purchase uh, at a personal loan rate, lets you pay that off in even monthly payments over time. Um, you know, I would just, you know, it's treat that as you would any other loan product. Um, shop around and, and see if there are other lower, if you're in the market for a loan, that may not be your lowest cost option. So, you know, it, it's certainly convenient, but convenience often comes at a cost. I would shop around in particular, if you have strong credit, you're in a position where, you have other options available, be it other low-rate personal loans or, uh, you know, being able to grab one of these zero percent offers uh, on an introductory basis. That's another great way to make that that big-ticket purchase you need without the headwind of interest rates and being able to pay it off over time.
0: I haven't been seeing those coming into my mailbox as much lately.
1: Oh, that's you're, <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's a reason why. Oddly, right. <laughs> Shockingly, those haven't been there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so I don't know if you know the answer to this and if or if you're allowed to, um, can you name any names of credit card companies? I know some of them are, you know, kind of usually will have, uh, are known for having more generous um, lower rates or balance transfers or things like that. are we have
1: well, the, the, the famous 0% balance transfer offers that have been out there have really been scaled back. Uh, Citibank in particular has a couple of cards that are still offering them. Some issuers have them available only to their current customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not necessarily marketing it to new customers, but if you have a card with them, uh, there may be uh, an option available uh, to you to transfer balances from other issuers over at that 0% interest rate. So they are out there kind of slimmer pickings than we had seen just a few months ago. And you do have to have really good credit. So, uh, you know, again, this is not something that everybody's going to be able to to take advantage of, but for those that can, it can be uh, a nice assist.
0: How about playing the points game? And I think I realized recently I hadn't paid attention to my credit cards and you know, the, the credit card issues have gotten very aggressive with points and double points and triple points. And I suddenly realized I had a lot of points that I was able to pay down a good amount of my credit card bill with. Um, you know, are there are card issuers still? I we'll call it aggressive with their points. And can are there certain cards that, like, again, you might want to get because they have a lot of points. And then you can, if you get double, triple points at the grocery store, then you accumulate points that you can then pay back, use back to pay off your bills. How's uh, what that we
1: are accomplish? seeing is is issuers tweaking uh, their reward programs in the mm-hmm. sense that because people aren't doing traveling, uh, you know it getting double or triple points on airfare purchases or hotel isn't doing anybody a whole lot of good right now. So, you know, you are seeing issuers that are, you know, all of a sudden now they're offering double or triple points when you go to the supermarket. Because that's where a lot of us are spending our money these days. Right. Uh, so, you know, you do have the ability to, I think, rack up points a little bit differently and maybe with different cards than you had been using. Uh, so, you know, if you've got a number of different cards, you play the points game, it's worth looking to see which card is offering what right now, because, you know, you might have a a better option there. In terms of those big introductory bonuses, uh, you know, again, a lot of those have really been scaled back and they're only for those that are still working and have really good credit. That's not going to help the person who's in a cash crunch. If you are in a cash crunch, look to your rewards cards. That cash back that you've accumulated, those points you've yeah, accumulated, exactly. that might be able to you could use that either to pay your balance or to get gift cards uh, that you then use at places like the supermarket or someplace where you're regularly spending money. So that could be a very prudent uh, source of cash in times like this.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've also found you know a lot of the card issuers have so many versions of cards now. So that is it a strategy to call up, you know, Bank of America or City Card, say, you know, here's what I have. Years ago we had I had, I, I won't name names, but we had a major bank card my company and we'd had it for years and we didn't get points on it. I chased after them and chased after them to try and get points on the card because new people would get points. I ended up having to cancel that card. I switched banks. I was so mad, but, but now like, can, I, can I call up? So if I call up Chase or call up city and say, Hey, I've got this card, but you've got all these other versions to try and just shift to a different kind of card. Again, that might have more generous points.
1: Well, if you want the introductory bonus, you have to apply for that card separately. You can't uh, so transfer one product to another. So yeah. you'd have to apply for that card. However, even then, once you're approved, you can shift the credit lines around. So, you know, that's not a problem. But um, so, yeah, you could you could really do that. And that, you know, upgrading to a different card or downshifting to one that does not have an annual fee, always a prudent strategy. If there was a card you got last year because that had a nice introductory bonus Uh, and now the annual fees come and due and you don't use it anymore, look and see if they've got a no annual fee card that you can downshift to. That keeps that credit line open, you know, keeps your your debt to available credit ratio intact, which is good for your credit score. Uh, You know, and and a lot of issuers have this as as an option. So don't think just because the annual fees coming due, um, that you have to actually close out the card. You may be able to keep that card that payment history on that card by downshifting to the no annual fee version it's not going to carry the same perks and points but hey if you haven't been using the card since you got the introductory bonus anyway you know that's not what you're after
0: right and i find you know, some people just accumulate cards they may have even forgotten but they've got some cards that they could potentially close out just because what are you paying the 50 bucks for so yeah if you get an annual fee and
1: again i wouldn't close it out i'd just right. downshift a no annual fee right. card because closing out uh credit lines can actually hurt your credit score And a lot of card issuers are doing that proactively. So that card you've got tucked in a drawer uh, that you haven't used in a couple of years, if it's a no annual fee card, you're seeing a lot of issuers proactively closing out that card. So I think a lot of people may have fewer cards now than they did a few months ago, simply because issuers have been closing
0: unused cards. So people should go the other way, that they might want to use a card they haven't been in order to protect their credit score for future.
1: Yeah, it keeps them from closing it. So, you know, sometimes they'll give you a heads up and send you a letter and say, hey, if you don't use this card, we're going to close it in two months. Yeah. And then you run to the store, make a token purchase, keep that card open. Uh, but, you know, what we're seeing increasingly is that there isn't the heads up. And you get the letter in the mail that says, uh, yeah, we closed it already. Um, you know, by then it's, it's too late. So, yeah, this is a time if there's a card you have that you don't want to get closed, you haven't used it in a while, yeah, make a couple small purchases that you'd otherwise make, but use that card for the purpose of keeping it open.
0: Gotcha. All right. Just remember, anybody have any questions for Greg, go ahead, pop them on pop them on the screen, pass them along. Um, let's talk about mortgages. What kind of latitude do people have in terms of forbearance with mortgage payments?
1: This one is huge. Uh, if you have a federally backed mortgage and you know, almost three quarters of mortgages out there are federally backed. So that just shows the magnitude of, of, of this here. Um, If you have a federally backed mortgage and you've suffered a financial impact from the pandemic, you are eligible for forbearance uh, for up to 180 days, which can then be renewed for an additional 180 days if you're still in payment difficulty. Uh, Again, you've got to call and ask for it. Don't sit back and wait for the lender to come to you. You've got to pick up the phone and contact them. But that can be tremendous payment relief uh, during a period of time when you really need it. And Uh, Let's debunk the common misperception. With this federal uh, forbearance option that's available through the CARES Act, you do not have to make up all those foreborn payments in one fell swoop. Uh, You can instead uh, tack those on to the end of the loan. You can pay it whenever you actually sell the house or later refinance that loan. It is not something you have to, to make up in one fell swoop. And if you get to the end of your forbearance period, and let's say you've got a job, but it pays a lot less than the one you had, then talk to your lender about, uh, at that point, about doing a mortgage modification, given your new economic circumstances.
0: So they'll modify. I don't necessarily have to get a new mortgage, just try to modify it. So I keep the same interest rate, but potentially extend the payments, change the payments, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that's,
1: you know, but that's, that's down the road. That's if your financial situation is at at the end of the uh, forbearance period, you know, is not what it was, you know, prior to the pandemic. But, uh, you know, again, the bottom line is you don't have to make up all those payments in one fell swoop. That's a very common misperception. And if you don't have a federally backed loan, again, a lot of payment relief options available. Uh, Pick up the phone, contact your lender. Um, You know, a lot of them are, Willing to work with you, the terms may not be as favorable as as the, the, the federally backed loans through the CARES Act, but you know, again, a lot of payment options available, and uh, we see more and more lenders uh, foregoing that traditional route of having to make up forborne payments. All the well, more,
0: that's the biggest thing I think. The lesson that Bottom Line talks about all the time: pick up the phone and call. Like we have to advocate for ourselves. That a lot of companies they're not going to come to us, but to pick up the phone call, you never know until you ask. And you'll very often, especially in this environment, get something out of it. Yeah, we
1: did a survey. We actually found that of people that were concerned about their ability to make payments, 60% had not reached out to their lender yet. And some of the reasons that people cited were they didn't know payment relief was available. They hadn't gotten around to it, or they were waiting for the lender to contact them. No, no pick up the first phone and call. It's available, but yeah. it's not going to come to you. You've got to ask for it.
0: Yeah, that's huge. All right, how about renters? Do they have any any similar thing? I always feel bad. Everyone wants to say rent forgiveness, but some guy owns your building.
1: Yeah, um, you know the, the, the Federal Housing Finance Authority, you know the same authority that uh, behind a lot of these federally backed loans uh, mm-hmm. that are, uh, have the forbearance options under the CARES Act, you know they have also uh, allowed for uh, a foreclosure moratoriums on loans. So if you're a renter, and your landlord is the one that has one of these federally backed loans, you know, he's going to be eligible for forbearance. That could trickle down to you in terms of getting some rent relief. You know, often the big obstacle to people getting rent relief is the landlord's like, hey, I've got a mortgage payment to make too. Well, if he's got a federally backed mortgage, there's some protection in place that can trickle down to the tenant and benefit them uh, through some rent forgiveness. Not to mention uh, that there are uh, a lot of local uh, municipalities that have um, eviction moratoriums in place for people uh, that are not able to make rent payments you know, due to their financial circumstances.
0: So a lot of young people have just, I'll call it, come home. Can they break with their lease? Is there, forbear- is there more forgiveness on basically being able to break a lease? I know people who have just, you know, they just moved in, young people moved into New York. This all fell down. They may never move back again.
1: Yeah, that's up to the landlord, Uh, but this is another one where, as you mentioned a moment ago about advocating for yourself, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know unless you ask. The worst thing they can do is is say no, Uh, particularly if you know somebody who might sublet your place, that could be your get out of jail free card, right? That could be what gets you out from under that heavy uh, monthly rent lease, uh, rather than being locked in for another eight or 10 months, you get out from under it uh, and and go someplace where you can live at a much lower monthly cost.
0: Right. Well, and again, while they're trying to shake out and figure out where they're going to be, I know a number of young people who are, they're like nomads right now because they just don't know. They've got leases, they're coming due, they've been at home, the companies are kind of reopening, but they don't know when they're going to be in. You know, this is where that corporate benching, you know, everybody had that, you know, that like the cubicles and everybody's really tight together because they were saving money and all that great collaborative space. And now you can't sit like that. So everything comes home to roost.
1: Well, and, and working from home has is, is been proven now to be very effective for a lot of companies. Some have actually seen productivity go up under work from home. And so it's much more socially acceptable in the corporate world. So the reality on the other side of this, yeah. is that a lot of companies might be perfectly amenable to having people work from home uh, because they don't want to pay that high city center rent that they've been paying where they've got hundreds or thousands of people working in the same building, right? So you know, yeah, yeah that's definitely available down
0: the road definitely shifting. All right. One last category, let's talk about because you know it seems small, but frankly, it's hundreds of dollars a month between um, internet plans, cable bills, telephone bills, strategies there. same thing. Can I call and try to negotiate? Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, we, we take a long, hard look at your expenses. But yeah, let's talk about those those subscription plans where mm-hmm. pick up the phone, uh, try to negotiate. I mean, you know, depending upon how much of a pinch you're in, uh, cut back on the premium channels you're not using, uh, call and, and, and see if there's a lower cost plan, even if it has, say, fewer minutes on the phone, uh, or, you know, has some restrictions in place. Uh, you know, that might be what you need temporarily, just in terms of, uh, you know, reducing your monthly expenses. Uh, if you're out of work, you know, then you manage to take more drastic measures like you know, you know, dropping the cable altogether. Uh, right. If you're if you're looking for a job, you're still going to need that internet, right? You're still going to need your phone,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: you know, you you may may have to do without the cable TV for a while until you. There get-
0: are a whole lot of free movie channels, and then, and then there's a frightening number of of movies on YouTube that probably shouldn't be there. Somehow, somehow the black market always finds a way for all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, that stuff really adds up. I have to say, I'm I'm so naive. My husband pays the cable bill. So every time I see it, I'm like, holy crap, that's so expensive. And the phone bills and everything else. Well, really I, I, I'm the one that
1: pays it. And I still think the same thing every time I see it.
0: <laughs> and then are your grown kids still on your bill? That's always the the funny one. <laughs> it's a joke among all my friends that our grown kids are still on the phone bill. I think they, they get married, then they go off. Um what do you see for the housing market?
1: You know, I think the housing market is actually going to be one of the engines of economic growth over the next 12 months, because there's a lot of pent-up demand. Uh, Mortgage rates are at record lows. That gives a a lot of affordability to would-be buyers. Mm -hmm. People have been locked down at home for a few months, and a lot of people have realized that, uh, you know what, this setup, it ain't so great now that we've been, you know, forced to stay here staring at each other for four months, right? So there's a lot of pent-up demand, people looking for a bigger place, looking for that place in the suburbs as opposed to the city center. Uh, so we're seeing a real burst of activity, both in terms of people refinancing mortgages and reducing the rent payments, but also in terms of the transaction activity. That traditional spring buying season that didn't happen during the spring, it's happening now. So exactly. a lot of uh, transaction activity. So I, I think the housing market's actually going to be a boost to economic growth, not to mention, you've got builders resuming construction right, uh, right now. The true test for the housing market going to come 12 months from now when the forbearance programs are expiring. You know, we're likely to still have elevated levels of unemployment. You know, there's going to be some dislocation there, but at least, you know, between now uh, and, and say this time next year, uh, I think housing is going to be a, a big boost to the overall economic recovery. All
0: right. Greg McBride, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let me just give bank, Bankrate.com and your Twitter is at bankrategreg, and his information is fabulous. So I really appreciate you being here. Don't forget, everybody, come back, share these with your friends, because if you're not in trouble, you have friends that are suffering. So please be sure to let them know about these videos. Check out the immunity program that we're going to be doing. Go to YouTube, see all of the videos that we've been doing, and please stay safe and stay healthy. So thanks very much, Greg. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. My pleasure. I'm talking to Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com, about how to get back on your feet after the huge financial setbacks due to the pandemic. Greg knows it all when it comes to managing debt, planning for retirement, and developing financial strategies that are right for you. He's just one of thousands of top experts who are part of the brain trust for our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide guidance to help you live happier, healthier, and wealthier. Our experts share insights on not just how to be smart with your money, but on all aspects of your life keeping yourself safe from disease, smart home repair, better relationships, improved emotional health, how to find bargains, unique travel destinations, when we can finally travel again, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottomline Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.